0: Podcast. We are so happy you are tuning in. On this episode, Pastor Tony gives us a message on abiding in Christ from John 5, which was given at our annual fall retreat. Welcome to one of my favorite weekends of the whole school year. Welcome to one of my favorite weekends of the whole school year. It's, it's us as a group enjoying a special weekend together with so many fun things planned. Um, but we got a, a fun weekend planned with paintball and high ropes and football, uh, late nights of no sleep, which we're already experiencing tonight, uh, Devil's Lake, and most importantly, worshiping and studying God's Word together. That's most importantly. But I hope and pray this weekend, no matter where you guys are at, you really grow in your walk with the Lord this weekend. That's what I hope. I pray that you fall in love with Jesus even more and learn something new to take back home. And apply it. And apply it. So, where are we going this weekend? Where are we going this weekend? This weekend, our theme is called Abide. This weekend, our theme is called Abide. And the theme really is looking at and growing in what it means to abide. And not only what does it mean to abide, but what does it mean to abide in Jesus Christ? And what comes as a result of abiding in Jesus Christ? Resting resulting of abiding in him. And so to do this, we're going to be studying John 15, and we're going to be looking at the first 17 verses. So you can throw your bookmark in John 15, because that's where we're going to be all weekend, looking at the first 17 verses. For some of you, these verses may be familiar. But I believe these passages will test us, they will sharpen us, they will convict us, and show us just how much we as followers of Jesus Christ need constantly Jesus Christ every moment of our days. And so I hope and pray that as we begin tonight, you see many one of these words, or all of them, touch you and impact your heart in a mighty way. That's, that's my prayer. So, as we begin, we're going to be looking at the first four verses. John 15, verses 1 to 4, are where we're going to be tonight. John 15, 1 through 4. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Heavenly Father, I do just want to echo the prayer of my brother, Britton, in that I just pray, Father, for this weekend to be so good for us in so many ways, maybe a weekend we need spiritually. Uh, God, I just pray, Lord, that this weekend is life-changing. So life-changing, Father, may we understand and grasp what this whole concept means of what it means to abide. Lord, we recognize that the only way any of this is possible is, is by you. So we ask, Father, that you would work in hearts here. And I even pray, Father, that those in these seats would want this to be what happens to them this weekend. God, that they have this desire that I want to know more. I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to be a better follower of you. So I just pray that as we get this going. In Jesus' name, amen. So our big idea tonight, if you guys are taking notes, our big idea is abiding in Christ means we remain in Christ. Abiding in Christ means we remain in Christ. So some context, because we're in the book of John. So John is the author And this book is written to readers who most likely were not Christians. And he wanted to share this book so that really they would believe in Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of John writing. Faith in Jesus Christ that brings eternal life is central to the Gospel and to John's message. In fact, the word believe is used about a hundred times, and that's not even counting the synonyms that John uses, such as receive, or know, or behold. Right. So the word believed is used about a hundred times. Now just to give you a little bit more of who John was, John was the brother of James, and John was the only disciple to witness the death of Jesus Christ. John was also the first disciple to see the tomb empty, and John was the leader with Peter in the early church when it got started. John clearly had strong ties to Jesus and was a huge part of his life. And so before coming to our passage for tonight, and before Jesus shares with us his final I am statement, of the seven statements in the book of John, the last couple of chapters have been a time for Jesus to prepare his disciples that his departure is about to come to an end. We see in John 13, him washing the disciples' feet and showing them an example of what it means to humbly serve. And ultimately, this is a picture of what's to come with him serving us, giving up his life for us. We then see Jesus knows who is it that will betray him as they were reclining at the table in John 13. And then after that, we see Jesus really again driving home to the disciples that he's not going to be here much longer. But in that message, Jesus is saying, there is so much more to my departure than you think. Jesus is going to die. Yes, it's coming. But he's also going to rise and ascend from the grave and to those who believe in his death and resurrection you're going to come to find this, as Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. When you believe upon Jesus Christ, you receive eternal life. And to those who believe, you're also going to receive a helper, the Holy Spirit. It says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Again, the whole point in bringing this up is this is not your average departure. This is not your average guy that is going to give up his life for the sins of the world. This is not your normal guy on a normal departure. Now this takes us to our passage where Jesus is still sharing his final farewell to his disciples. And this is where Jesus shares his final I am statement of the seven I am statements in the book of John. And this is what it says. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. I'm going to stop there. To understand what this statement is about, we need to know that this is referencing the other vines we find throughout Scripture. What do do I mean by this? The other vine is the chosen vine of Israel in the Old Testament. The vine of Israel is God's chosen people, right? We know that. Israel is God's chosen people. A people that will reconcile and restore other nations back to God. Israel is meant to faithfully represent God. Now, they're not chosen by God for salvation purposes, but to to display God in how they live so that many would come to know, worship, and believe in the one true God. That's why they were chosen. They were chosen so that other nations would see how they live and it would point others to Jesus Christ. And looking at Isaiah 51.7, we see this come out. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. This is God's chosen people. And then we see in Jeremiah 2.21 that says, Yet I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? This is God's chosen people again that, we're talking, that he's, they're talking about here. God's chosen people, the nation of Israel, instead of producing righteousness, They produced disobedience and unrighteousness. And this was the constant cycle we see in the Old Testament, was it not? Now, with all that to say, we now turn back to our passage. And this is where Jesus Christ comes in. We tried with the nation of Israel. And that did not go so well. So I'm going, God, I'm going to send the true one the true vine, Jesus Christ, the one that is going to fulfill what God had intended from the very beginning. A vine that is actually going to point others to know, to worship, and to believe in the one true God. And this true vine, that is Christ, is the one and only vine that leads to the Father. I am the way and the truth and the life No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the one and only vine that leads to the Father. There is no other true vine. But who is the one that planted the vine? Who's the one that cares for the vine? Who's the one that tends to the vine, helps protect it, gives it all it needs to make sure that it can produce good fruit? Who is the one that does that? Anyone have a guess? God, God the Father is the gardener. Right? So we have the vine, Jesus Christ. We have the vine dresser, like it says there, and my Father is the vine dresser. God is the gardener. He is the one that is tending to the vine to make sure it flourishes and produces wonderful things. But that's not all. You have the vine who is Christ. You have the vine dresser who is God, and just like most things you plant, you have the branches that shoot off from the vine. And that is who? The branches are believers. That's who the branches are. They're believers. Those who've put their faith in Jesus Christ and seek to walk in His ways. Right? So the vine, Jesus Christ. The vine dresser, God the Father. And the branches are believers, those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, what does it say, what does Jesus say about the branches? Those who believe in him. Verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, what Jesus is doing here with this imagery of all this garden, fruit, vine dresser stuff, is this. He is emphasizing what it means to abide. That's what he's doing. Now, we need to unpack this before we keep going all weekend. Abide. What does it mean to abide? What is that definition? Abide means to remain. Or another definition, to continue in to remain, or to continue in. I'll break it down a little bit for us. It means to keep in fellowship with. You continue to believe. You keep believing. You are keeping up in your faithfulness. It is an active, ongoing thing that is constant. Another way to look at this is the union of two things coming together that remain, that keeps in fellowship with one another, that are faithful to one another. Here are some examples of these unions in Scripture. We have the example of the sheep and the shepherd. Shepherd must care for the sheep and bring them along and remain with the sheep But the sheep must also remain with the shepherd and continue to follow where the shepherd takes the sheep. They need to remain in each other all the time. Another example, the bride and the bridegroom. In a marriage union, two becoming one, it takes daily devotion and love to remain together in the ups and downs of a marriage, right? Right? You need to remain together in the ups and the downs. Daily devotion and love. Now for believers, this really is us having a mindset that in every aspect of our life, we need Him. That's really what it boils down to. It is daily spending time in God's Word. It is us being in constant communication with Him through prayer throughout the day. It's really this idea that as we go through the day, He is on our hearts and our minds and is our focus as we go throughout the day. So with having that in mind, let's look and see what Jesus says now about the branches with having a definition of what it means to abide. Look at what he says about the branches. This is what he says. If we are not producing fruit by remaining in Christ, the vine dresser who is the Father, he's going to cut away and remove those branches and those branches that are producing fruit, he will prune so that more fruit will come. God desires to produce fruit. That's one of the things we need to understand. God's desire for us as branches, as believers, is he desires for us to have fruit. He wants that to be what comes of his work. I want to produce fruit. That's my desire for them. And if we are remaining in the vine, getting our life source from the vine, guess what? Fruit will naturally come. It should naturally come if we're abiding in Him, constantly remaining in Him. Fruit will come. But for those of us who do not bear fruit, those branches are going to be cut off. But who is this referring to? who is this referring to that those branches will be cut off? Jesus is speaking to those who associate themselves with Jesus, but really have no true connection with Jesus. I know Jesus. Do you really though? Like actually? Because if you really do, fruit should come, right? If you really are connected to the vine and you really are abiding in him, fruit should naturally come. But if you so if you say you know him and fruit isn't taking place, are you really connected to him then? Right? So that's what that's what Jesus is talking about here. Those who say they know God but are not really connected to the vine. Otherwise there would be fruit. Those believers, right, are going to be cut off, and rightfully so. Don't, um, don't we do that when we tend to gardens? Those of you who do that in here, or know anything about gardening. Don't we do that when we tend to our gardens? So Corey and I have a garden bed in the back of our house, and we have a raised garden bed with all kinds of herbs that are dead now sadly, but we had two basil plants. It's phenomenal. But if Corey sees a branch or a vine that looks decolored, it's not doing so hot, and looks dead, what do you think she's going to do? She's going to cut it off, right? It has no business being there if it's not going to produce fruit. Well, it's the same thing with God as the vine dresser and Jesus being the vine. If we as the branches just associate ourselves with Christ and are not producing fruit, well, it has no business belonging there. It's not doing what it's meant to do. But Pastor Tony, how can you say that? How can you say fruit must come or has to come? That's pretty that's pretty harsh. That's rude, Pastor Tony. Here's why I could say it, and here's why what I I would say, John would say, and what Jesus is saying. A true branch, one that genuinely is connected to the true vine, one that is united, will always produce fruit. It's always going to produce fruit. It will. It has to. It must, if it's connected to the vine a plant is designed and meant to produce what it's meant to produce. It can't do anything else but produce what it's supposed to produce. Tomato seeds, when you plant it, make what? Tomatoes, right? Carrot seeds produce carrots, not jalapenos. Right? Like, it produces what it's meant to produce. If believers are abiding to the vine that is Christ... Christ-like fruit is going to come. It has to. It's what's supposed to happen. But with that comes another aspect that we need to talk about. It's this aspect of pruning. We need to talk about this aspect of pruning. See, the pruning is important because it seeks to help weak branches become strong by cutting and shaping things off that need to be addressed. I want to make this weak branch become a strong branch. So I'm going to shape it and cut and form it in such a way where it's strong again. And it looks good again. Some would even say that pruning is perhaps one of, if not the most important part of gardening, is the pruning process. Because here's something else that's interesting with the pruning process. The one pruning better be very skilled at doing it. Because if not, they can ruin the whole process if they're not talented and careful with how they're pruning. They better be good at, how, how, at, their, at their skill with pruning. The pruning process at some vineyards invests two to three years of their time so that they can make sure that they know exactly where to cut and how much to cut and to even make sure that they cut at just the right angle so that it doesn't ruin anything else or break anything else. See, the pruning process... This is what I want you to hear. The pruning process could very well be where many of you come into this weekend at. You're being pruned right now. And it could be that God has been working on you for years with stuff. With specific things shaping you and molding you and waiting at just the right time to show you things, to lead you through some difficult things, and maybe he's waiting at just the right time to make that cut to get rid of things. But that might take time. That might take months. That might take years of that pruning process. And maybe that is where some of you come into this weekend feeling. Because I'll be the first to say that the pruning process is not easy. It can hurt. It can be painful at times. No doubt, knowing that God has a plan that I cannot see and that I know that I can trust Him and what He's doing without question gives me hope and gives me peace. But that doesn't mean that pruning won't hurt or that it won't be hard. Pruning can hurt. But I'll say this, with God being the vine dresser, there is not a moment that goes by that God doesn't know what He is doing with His children. Did you you catch that? God as the vine dresser, there is not a moment that goes by where He does not know what He's doing with His children and how He prunes them. Remember, the pruner, he better be skilled. And he better know what he's doing. Otherwise, the whole process of bearing a good crop of fruit can be wasted in one wrong cut. Perhaps the moment that sticks out to me in my life as one of those pruning times was when I had to leave Moody. And many of you know this story. But it's a time for me that I, I just my mind went to when I thought about this pruning process. During my time at Moody, it was not what I wanted. I was frustrated at God. For those of you who don't know, I was attending Moody, right, to be a youth pastor, and I had to step away and leave for two years because I couldn't afford it anymore. My mom and parents couldn't afford it anymore. And I was like, come on, God. You've brought me here. You're calling me to do this, and now you're removing me from some place that I love dearly. What's the deal with that? Come on. That's not cool. That's not fair. I was upset. I was frustrated. And I had so many questions to God. Why? Why are you making me go through this? But without question, I can tell you now, being on this side of it, that it was because I had a season of pruning to go through. I believe that God made me look more like his son because of going through it. No, I didn't want to do landscaping for two years. <laughs> no way. I wanted to be at Moody. But... I felt like he made me become more, look more like his son because of it. I would honestly, genuinely go through it again and change nothing because of how God shaped me and molded me and grew me through it. And I believe it prepared me for what was next and was part of God helping me be able to say, I'm doing this so that you can bear even more fruit. Even more. And so maybe again, that is you coming into this weekend. You are being pruned. And what this passage says to you is this. God is pruning you because he loves you and wants to see you bear even more fruit. He doesn't want to just help you to get through whatever it is you're going through right now. The pruning process happens so that you can bear even more fruit. That's crazy. And here's something that I find comforting. Check this out. Check this out. I have never thought about this before until studying for this weekend. This blew my mind. When God is pruning you, He is nearer to you than you think it shows that He is closely tending to you very specifically and is closer to you than you think in the pruning process. Because think about it. When a gardener prunes, they're right up there, right? They're right up to that branch. They're as close as possible to that fruit because they want to make sure they make that cut right where it needs to. Right? You get up right near that fruit, that plant. Never thought about that before in the pruning process, that God is nearer than you think during that process. Never thought about that before, and may that be a comfort for you tonight. But also, I want to say this with the pruning process. It's not just to get rid of the bad to replace it with the good, which is what I think sometimes we think. I'm being pruned because God is replacing bad, something bad with something good. That can be the case, but it also can be getting rid of the good because something even better is coming. And it may not be that you feel better in what's next, but that's how God is going to use this for the better. I want to give you two examples, and then we're going to close it out here. Maybe it's a job for an even better job. And not just financially, or hours-wise and whatnot, but maybe you go from this job to this job because you're going to have more opportunities to be a light for Him at that place. To have Gospel opportunities. Or it could be a school that you loved so much, and you had to transfer to another school that you didn't want to be at, But maybe it's for the better for you so that you can be a light there. So with everything tonight as we close, these verses are constantly pointing us to the theme of the weekend. It's all about abiding. And as we unpack it more this weekend, we're just going to see just how important this is for us as believers. I mean, in the first 11 verses of of John 15, he uses the word abide 11 times. Don't you think that's important if he uses that word 11 times in 11 verses? So this weekend, we will seek to answer these questions. What does it mean to abide? Which we did a little bit tonight, but we'll flush some more out. How can we tell when we're abiding in Christ? And what does it look like to abide in Christ? This weekend is really about strengthening our need for Christ in our everyday life. And for those who have never believed in Jesus... Maybe this is a weekend where you do that for the first time. This weekend is about learning to bear fruit in our lives. And one big thing that we're going to see is that while the relationship between the branch and the vine is natural, the relationship between us and Christ is one that needs to be cultivated in the Christian life. The abiding in the vine is not automatic for us as fleshly human beings. You know that? The abiding in the vine is not automatic as fleshly human beings. It needs to be cultivated within us. There would be no need for the word abide if it was always automatic for us that we chose Jesus every second of the day of every moment of our lives. We would need to not even read this if we were already doing that perfectly. So it's not automatic. Our proper place as the branch is to always be connected to the vine. Our source of life, nourishment, strength, and growth. So this is what I'll say. The simple truth that Jesus gives us. Verse 4. Fruit only comes because it is abiding in the vine. And what is the first step to remaining in Christ? It's to believe on Him and put... And put your faith in Him as your Savior. That's the first step. We can't go anywhere all weekend without starting there. The first step to be connected to the vine is for you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. But from there, it's really just the beginning. When we are connected to the vine, remaining connected to Him now becomes the work. Now the challenge starts for us to cultivate this sort of lifestyle. And what we would soon notice is this constant state of needing to be connected to Him. The whole point with verse 4 is to show just how much we need Jesus Christ every moment of our life. But this is important. The second we deviate from needing Christ and we think we've got it on our own, we start to notice that our attitudes return to who we were before. Bible reading becomes, was here on our priority list. Now it's dripped down to here. Temptation rolls around. And guess who starts to slip into sin more and more and more and easier and easier and easier. The second we deviate from being connected to the vine, this is going to describe us. It's because we have not been abiding in him. So that's our theme for the weekend, abide. The question I want to leave us with as we get ready to head to bed is how has the abiding been going? How has the abiding been going? As the branch, we're always connected to the vine. But have we been living in that constant state of connect- connectedness worship team you guys can come on up how have we been have we been living as if we need him all the time and we will unpack this more this weekend but is fruit taking place within you and through you is it happening And like I said, maybe this weekend as you walk into these doors and step into Fall Retreat, this is a weekend where you're like, man, I have been pruned coming into this weekend and I still am being pruned in whatever it might be. So we're going to learn more about this whole thing and what it means to abide. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank You for just this time that we can hear from You. And just to start to unpack this word abide and what it means to abide. And it really starts with saying abiding means to remain in Jesus Christ. To always be connected to the vine. We need to be connected to the vine. That's the only way fruit takes place in our life is connected to the vine. No wonder the second we deviate, there is no fruit. There is no change taking place. We start to slip back into things that we were walking in before. We start to slip back into who we were before. The second we deviate from remaining with Christ. But God, this is something that needs to be cultivated. This isn't something that's automatic for us. So I pray, Father, that this weekend would be that. That you would cultivate a heart and a lifestyle that says, I need Jesus Christ every single second of the day. Cultivate that this weekend, Father. Grow that this weekend. Strengthen that this weekend. And maybe for those who have never even been connected to the vine in the first place because they've never put their faith in Jesus, that they would do that this weekend. So go before us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Maywood Student Ministries podcast. We hope that this episode encouraged and strengthened you in your walk with the Lord. See you on the next episode.